0: This episode of Let's Talk is brought to you in part by International Justice Mission. IJM is a global nonprofit working to end slavery and violence around the world. Across Southern Asia, IJM works to rescue people out of slavery and trafficking. In Latin America, they help children and women who have survived all kinds of violence and abuse. In short, IJM is a community of Christ followers fighting for the freedom and protection of the most vulnerable in our world. Over the last two decades, more than 50,000 individuals have been set free thanks to people like you who sent IJM to rescue them. But there are thousands of more, children, men, and women who are still waiting for rescue. You can make a difference in their lives by becoming a freedom partner. Visit IJM.org slash Let's Talk to join today. Your consistent support will impact the lives of individuals all over the world.
1: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk, a podcast from the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network, where we seek to apply biblical wisdom to everyday life. My name is Jasmine Holmes, and I'm here with my friends, Melissa Kruger and Jackie Hill-Perry. Be sure to check out the first two episodes of Let's Talk on witnessing and on contentment. If you're enjoying these conversations, we hope you'll subscribe to Let's Talk wherever you get your podcast, and also recommend it to friends. Today, we are going to talk about a difficult topic, but it's one that has touched each of us in different ways, and that is church hurt. This topic um, is an interesting one for me because church hurt is actually the reason why I met my husband, Philip. Um, I was at a really small church where my dad was the pastor of preaching, and I started dating another pastor's son. And we were going to get married, and we had liked each other for like, this was like a four-year like situation, and it crashed and burned miserably. And when it did, it impacted our dad's relationships with each other, our mother's relationships with each other. Um, and it was so hard because as a pastor's kid, I felt like I couldn't be honest about how badly I was hurt by the breakup in how really not a great person during the relationship my boyfriend had been because he was another pastor's kid. And so people would be like, what happened? Like, how did things go? And I would just smile and like give a political answer like, oh yeah, it's, you know, I'm fine. Like sometimes relationships work out and sometimes they don't and everything's fine. That's what relationships is for. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. And I got really tired of doing that. And so there was a TGC conference and it would take us out of town on a Sunday. And I was so excited because I was like, can I please go to this conference? Because that way I don't have to go. Look, I don't have to go to church that Sunday. I can skip it. I can just go to the conference and I can face him when I get back. And that is a conference where I met Philip.
2: No way. Uh Uh TGC bringing people together. Bringing people
1: together. TGC plus church hurt equals romance. (laughs) 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 For me anyway. Um, But... As a pastor's kid, I do have a lot of experiences with church hurt, but I'm curious to hear from people who come from different perspectives, how you've encountered church hurt and the ways that you've dealt with it. Church hurt is a thing for me. I actually taught a workshop
3: on church hurt, I think at uh, TGC, uh, maybe three or four years ago. Um, I think my scenario is long and complicated, but it's basically that I was a part of a, a church in uh, l a and um, one random Sunday we noticed that our pastor he wasn't teaching, which was odd it wasn't like a teaching rotation like he taught every Sunday, and so they told all the members to stay after and afterwards, they told us that our pastor had fallen into sin and that he would be stepping down from the church so initially we 're grieved we 're sad because I mean that's hard that's sad to hear. Mm. Some hear more information about what had happened, and so basically, our pastor had not fallen in sin he had always been in sin. Um, And he had been using the scriptures to manipulate women into sexual things. He was stealing money from the church. Him and the co-pastor were doing the same thing. So it just was a hot trash mess. So yeah, church church is a thing. I think what it taught me really is it just made me feel like another male figure in my life was a liar like my dad. That's what I felt like. It was like I trusted you and I thought like you were the real deal but you weren't. Um, But not only that, like the church fractured because you had one side of the church like this is our pastor, he's a brother that needs to be restored and then there's another side of the church like no he's a wolf and a predator that needs to be exposed and so people that were your friend a week ago were now on two different sides and in two different camps to see how we all stand when it comes to this one dude
1: that's so familiar the pastor that married us is currently on trial for sexual misconduct with a minor so yeah i, I feel
2: a lot of that yeah. yeah yeah it's so painful particularly particularly when it's a leader mm-hmm. you know because you you listen to them give you the word every week you listen to them teach And you're entrusting yourself to them Mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I think, been some of the most painful things that we've gone through has been when it's been with leadership. Mm. You know, and just, you you know, you expect when you're working in a secular world, you you know, with non-Christians, I expect nothing Mm -hmm. in some sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I expect, you know, that you're going to peel back the layers and you're going to see lots of dirt. That makes complete sense. I think what's been harder for me to reconcile is when Christians have acted in really ungodly ways. Yeah. And it's, it makes you question everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes you say, did you ever believe? Mm. Are you a believer? Mm-hmm. And they may be. You know, I'm not mm. saying people who do these things aren't. But it just leaves you with this real confusion. Yeah. Um, it's and, disorienting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and a real fear. Mm. I don't want to end up there. Because as we all teach the Bible, Mm -hmm. and we all write, and we all do these things publicly, I think one thing I realize is when a leader falls into sin, in a way, it affects people differently. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me want to guard myself so much more and really make sure I am doing this because I love Jesus, Mm -hmm. not because of any other thing that you can get caught up in. It's, It's really... It shows you the responsibility of what they've been given, mm-hmm. um, but also just yeah. the pain mm-hmm. yeah how how do
1: you guys think that that pain can manifest in other people's lives? so you said so you said for you, it can make you want to be more guarded and more careful with yourself um, and the way that you conduct yourself. How can it impact people? Yeah, I've watched
2: some people just hate the church altogether. Mm -hmm. I mean, they get burned, um, and they just walk away altogether. They say, I don't need it. You know, it can. I still believe. You'll see a lot of people say, I still believe in God, but I don't believe in the church. And I had a pastor one time start a sermon off by talking about how he had this good friend. And he had a good friend, but he got engaged to this girl who was just really unattractive. And he was talking about it, and I was listening to him. I was like, what are, where is he going with this? And he <laughs> yeah. talked about how he confronted his friend, and he was like, your fiancé is terrible and all this stuff. And I was like, wow. And he said it was actually himself mm. with Jesus in the church. Mm. And he said, what I had to realize was that Jesus would, had in, engaged himself to the church. Mm. And so what kind of friend could I be to Jesus if I didn't also love his bride. Yeah. And that image has never gone of my head of, okay, I might need to accept that the church is going to have sinners and the church is going to, all of us are sinners. You know, the church is going to have problems, mm. but the church is who Christ loves. Mm. And so it's not okay for me to hate the church. Mm. It's okay for me to say, Hey, this person was in sin. And to deal with that. But but what I do see, and I think the tragedy of leaders, is a lot of people get done with the church altogether.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think what I saw is that a lot of the people that I did life with after the rupture of our church, they many of them, almost most of them, uh, left the faith altogether and i think is the church to blame for their deconversion no but i do think um when when people especially young like this is la so most of our congregation were uh, students at ucla most of them being between 18 and 26 of uh, 250 so this is young zealous, vulnerable Mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think what happened is, you know, when they're receiving this word about Jesus from their pastor and they find out that their pastor does not love this Jesus, what does that say about the power of the gospel? It it makes them think that this gospel wasn't strong enough to save you or keep you from pimping us. So why should I believe it? You Mm -hmm. know, and so I, I think that's what happened is that the gospel no longer felt real. Um, and I think that's what makes happens.
2: makes me really sad. And I don't think it's even just the leaders. I think that's a really painful thing. Mm-hmm. But have you all experienced church hurt on a more horizontal level? I mean, obviously, when the head pastor— Oh,
3: more than—more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So it's
2: kind of like, not only can there be wolves, there can be sheep biting sheep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in in the mix. How has that— been a struggle in your relationships in the church growing
1: up a lot of times I didn't know who to trust in the church because they were people who like I remember I was 16 years old and I we were out of town and when I was 16 we're still using MapQuest which feels like the printout such yes okay (laughs) yes such a long time (laughs) ago so I was upstairs at the hotel we're going to a restaurant my dad said run upstairs get the MapQuest and so ran upstairs was typing it in and I my dad's email was open And I saw an email from another pastor, and it was all about me. And I was so, I saw my name, and so I sat down and I read it. And it was all about how I was a bad influence on the other girls in the church. I didn't have a gentle and quiet spirit. Mm. I was, like, leading our church in, like, youth culture and rebellion because I was too loud, and I laughed too loud, (laughs) and I wasn't going to be a good wife because I was reading all this book. I mean, it was just like a Mm. diatribe. And it was all about me. It wasn't about me. It was about my dad. And he was using me to get to my dad. But his daughter was one of my very best friends. And this is when I was 16. So this whole big thing turned out. And it was terrible. And it hurt so badly. And my dad handled it the best way that he could. Didn't handle it perfectly. Um, And I still, to this day, have a really hard time with relationships, because I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, are you just sitting on this colossal email where you've saved up every single thing that you don't like? About <laughs> thing? When is it all kind of gonna come out? Because yeah. I feel like, in in a way, because we're brothers and sisters in the faith, and because our bond as the body of Christ is supposed to be so close, um, when that contract is breached, it just hurts so much worse yeah. than anything that ever happened to me with any other kind of friendship or relationship in my life, especially when you continue to go to that church and you continue to be part of that church. Um, that when I was 16, I was still at that church when I got married to my husband at 24. So there just were a lot of old wounds that made it really hard to learn how to navigate
2: relationships down the line. Um, do you still hear that voice of, of that email in your head? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. the words of pastors, sometimes I wish I could tell them how heavy they fall yes. in people's lives. Totally. For good or for bad. Yeah. I mean, I know um, a friend had done, I think it was her dissertation was on women who go to get seminary education. And a lot of it was a male pastor had said, hey, you should, you should think about going to seminary. Yeah, and it just encouraged her. So it can mm-hmm. be a really good thing. Just a few words like yeah. on the way to the bathroom in church, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? And just that little thing put her on a trajectory mm-hmm. to go three years to school. Yeah. But on the other side, I had a friend who wanted to be a missionary and. Basically, a missionary on the field said some really hard things to her, Mm -hmm. and it made her doubt whether or not she should be a missionary. Yeah, it can have this. And that's where I wonder, how do you deal with that voice that Mm -hmm. can get in your head Mm -hmm. saying, oh, I'm not a good enough Christian woman Mm because I'm too loud or Mm -hmm. I'm too Yeah, and it goes back to what you said, just reminding
1: ourselves that it's not the entire, like the bride of Christ. It's sinners within the body of Christ they sin, yeah. and that's so true. And wherever you go, you're going to be dealing with sinners in the body of Christ. So how do we navigate that? Because knowing that ultimately Christ's bride is spotless is helpful, um, but it doesn't answer all the way how we deal with his imperfect members of the bride hmm. right now. Yeah. So how have you guys found, what ways have you found are helpful to deal with that church hurt particularly when it comes to um sheep biting sheep as you put
2: it melissa jackie you know
3: Uh,
1: um i think the it it took me a
3: while i i didn't go to church for maybe a year or two Mm -hmm. um just because it, it was it was hard to uh consider the thought of submitting myself to leadership again um and being among people that made turn again Mm -hmm. Um, that was fearful Uh, a a fearful thing to me until I had moved back home to St. Louis and I connected with uh, a pastor it was a random thing I was at Chipotle I saw a a guy with his Bible open it was a black dude that looked hood with a white dude that looked boring and I said they gotta be Christians (laughs) (laughs) there's there's no way uh, this isn't isn't two Christians because that's just what Christians do Um, And so I came up to him I said hey do you go to church he said yeah I'm actually planning a church um, now and our first service is Sunday and so I went to the church and I joined and when I met with the pastor, uh, one thing that stood out to me is he was so different than my other pastor. He seemed so much more vulnerable and guarded and careful um, and Holy, But then he he was like, well, how do you feel about the church? I was like, I'm cool on her. You know, I don't like it too much. But he took me to Acts when Paul uh, had met with Jesus and how Jesus so identified with his church that he said, you're not just persecuting the church, you're persecuting me. Mm-hmm. And I think that convicted me to know I need to love and care for the church because Jesus loves and cares for the church. And I think that had to be the foundation for me to then have empathy for the sheep and me to be gracious towards the, towards the sheep and me to care for the sheep because I'm the sheep sheep too you know and so if i want people to be patient and gracious and long suffering with me i should be able to mirror that same kind of yeah. expectation mm-hmm. yeah
2: know? and and i think it's it's what some of what you're saying too is i'm one of the sheep too yeah like the grace i extend i will always need back you know i'm going to say things carelessly not even intending to hurt someone yeah. and yet i'll do that uh-huh. and you know i just think of the lord's prayer you know when it says Forgive us our debtors as we um, forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. Mm-hmm. That there's and, and when Jesus is talking on the Sermon of the Mount, you know, he's like, you're going to have to forgive others. It's it's like the whole New Testament is reminding us that yes, the spirits come, but I'm still going to lay out what you need to do when there's sin in mm-hmm. your midst because mm-hmm. you're going to need to confess, yeah. you're going to need to repent, yeah. you're going to need to give forgiveness.
0: Mm.
2: The fact that all of those things are still talked about so much in the New Testament. You know, it's like we should know, but when it happens, it's so painful. It's always shocking. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you, you know, you know, it's going to be a part of relationship mm-hmm. that you have to forgive and you have to ask forgiveness. And glory be to God, because I, I just imagine how, how uh, stunned
3: my growth would be if I never had challenging relationships in the church. Yeah, The church has forced me to learn how to walk by the spirit. Therefore, learn how to be kind, learn how to be long-suffering, learn how to be uh, merciful. Like, If everyone was easy, I don't think I would shine as bright. Not saying I shine bright, but you get what I'm saying. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think my maturity would be where it is if I never had challenging relationships. And so I think it's a kindness of God, actually, to allow us to meet with people and be in relationships with people that force some goodness out of us.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking about a conversation that I had with a friend of mine. It was a really new relationship at my current church, um, and she is one like the minute one of those people. Where the minute you meet them, you're like, oh yeah, I I I like you. I think we're gonna be friends, and we. We had a rocky start after that and then finally, like, started connecting, and it was fun and easy. And I'm an introvert, so people that are easy for me is like, I gotta a lot to those people. Yes. <laughs> um, so we were all at a play date, we we're having so much fun, and her little boy was playing in the mud, and she's white, and I'm black. Oh, in case you didn't know that I was black. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, Oh my goodness, you got mud all over yourself. You look like one of Jasmine's kids. Ooh. And it Ooh. was just one of those, like, Ooh. offhanded, remarks that just like came out. And in the moment I was just like, Ugh. and I felt myself immediately like going to that hurt space of like, Oh, I guess we're not going to be friends. because <laughs> You <laughs> say stuff like that. And I remember I was talking to a mentor of mine about it and just kind of asking her advice. And she's like, well, do you like her? Like, do you want to be your friend? I was like, I mean, I, I did like, <laughs> and she's like, so that one thing, and now you're not, you're not going to be your friend. You're not going to talk to her again. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that to be the answer. I don't want that one thing to be the thing that like that separates us, but I also don't want to talk to her because that's mm. gonna be really hard and awkward and put yeah. me in an awkward position. And what if she comes back with an excuse? Or what if she says don't make everything about race? Or she and and you know, so every time my mentor would see me, she would say, Did you talk to her? Have you talked to her yet? <laughs> Did you talk to her? That's good. And finally, finally I talked to her and her response was oh my goodness, I'm so sorry that I said that. Thank you for telling me. I am not, honestly like grew up around a bunch of white people. And sometimes when I try to diffuse awkwardness in multicultural settings, I say really offensive things and I should not have said that. And I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And it was very simple and easy. Like there were no excuses. There was no making it all about her. There was no, and I learned a very valuable lesson in that moment, which is when I I, could have let my hurt in yeah. past circumstances, let me build a wall between me and another member of my church and me and another member of the flock. And I could have not given her an opportunity to show what a spiritually mature, kind, thoughtful, and eagerly eager to repent person that she was. And it made me think about all of the other times that people have said or done things that I just took as, well, okay, now we're not going to be close. Or, well, okay, now we're not going to be friends. Um, it really made me take those thoughts captive yeah. a little bit more, and it's to no—it's of no credit to myself, really. My mentor was just like, "Girl, yeah, go—you know, you gotta gotta see this through." Um, how can we see things through with other people, even when we've been hurt, or even when we've seen patterns
2: of hurt in the church? Well, I love your whole story that you just told because what I love is how it was the church that helped you deal with mm-hmm. you know this hurt that had come from a member of the church mm-hmm. you know so i think one of i love what you said cuz having someone who was speaking truth into your life that hey you need to talk to her because the reality was she needed to change mm-hmm. like that shouldn't be said mm-hmm. i mean you know so it was actually loving i think it's hardest to for me to confront someone on something when they've hurt me mm-hmm. it's different like if i see you you know, gossiping about Jackie, and it's hurting, you know, it's easier for yeah. me than to confront it, Right. but when I hear that you were gossiping about me, yeah. or something like that, it's mm-hmm. a lot harder to go, mm-hmm. but I love how you had this mentor in your life, who was willing to push, and say, have you done this really uncomfortable thing, mm-hmm. and then it brought this healing, so it's it's an interesting thing, I remember Jackie, one time you tweeted, mm-hmm. what helped me get over church hurt? Yeah, what healed me—what
3: healed me from church hurt was the church. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: she says it better because <laughs> she said it first, <laughs> and I think that's so true. That some of healing happens as we keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and you just keep saying, you know, I- I'm in this. You know, and I, and what, even what you were saying about bearing with people and being patient mm-hmm. and kind, those things can only be expressed when there's someone to be patient with. Yeah, you can only bear with someone in love. Mm when you have to actually bear with them yeah. and love.
3: No, I do think that there are some church environments that are unsafe mm. where where there's it's toxic, it's abusive, it's manipulative, it's sinful. I think those kinds of spaces you have the right to disengage with and depart from um, because I think people have used or will use those scriptures yeah. to manipulate you into staying in, a, in, a, in an abusive church uh, that is unhealthy. And so I think oftentimes you have to actually grab a Christian or a person or a wise one that's outside of those circles to be able to speak into your life and say, this whole little situation is messy and you can't even see it. And so I think you need to pray. I think you need to consult a therapist. If need be, you need to consult your family, some wise people around you that can see what you can't see. Um, just because I wouldn't want people to use those kinds of texts talking about forbearance and mm-hmm. love and kindness, but you actually using it uh, in a way that the Holy Spirit never intended. That's a really you know? good
2: question. How do you spot what's abuse versus what's normal bearing with, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in love kind of what's how do we distinguish that? That's a really hard hard thing what maybe maybe this is the question what are some signs you know we've all seen churches that are unhealthy as Mm -hmm. a church what are some signs out there that the church is unhealthy and that you should maybe consider hey this is this church whole problem versus one person in the church who said an off thing or Mm -hmm. whatever Um, from my experience
3: uh um what's the word a lack of transparency uh, f- from the leadership. So I, I don't need to know all your business, but what are we doing with the finances? Wow. Why is no one ever welcome into your home? Why aren't, like, like is there a plurality? You don't have to have a plurality of elders, but it does concern me when you're the only person in leadership and there is no one that you're submitted to. Um, I think those are huge. When your pastor or the pastors or the elders are confronted with sin, Uh, Do they repent or do they manipulate your words to make you think that you sinned against them for confronting them about sin? Um, That's huge. Is there a a bully culture where once, because I had one of my leaders or one of my mentors, anytime she confronted the pastor with sin, he would then put seeds of uh, things into other leaders to make them feel like she was a Jezebel. Like she, he, she just wants to tear down the leader. She, she's speaking as God's anointed. So those kinds of things I think are huge signs of a leadership or a church that is not good. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Those, um, not showing, not having the fruit of the spirit, honestly, like what is your church exemplified by? Um, is there a, love is their joy peace joy is huge yeah absolutely
3: (laughs) do people feel like god will not love them if they don't do what their pastor says Mm -hmm. those kinds of things you know if i don't go to church will people be mean to me will they speak will they dignify me or is it like it's just a
1: controlling type situation In first timothy 3 1 it talks about the qualifications of the overseers above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Um, he has to manage his own household well. There's all of these qualifications for both elders and deacons um, that Paul lays out. And when those things are lacking, when those things are missing, uh, I think that that is a sign of an unhealthy church and perhaps one, an unsafe One of the qualities
2: that I like so much in that passage is that of gentleness. And I think so often, you know, we were talking about it, um, we want our pastors to be great teachers mm-hmm. and all of these things, but we don't necessarily look for someone who's gentle mm. and kind mm-hmm. and compassionate. And in First Peter, it talks about not being domineering, mm-hmm. but being an example, and that our pastors should be someone that we say, not blindly, yeah. but I want to be like them. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to love people like they love people. I want to serve people. And we think about Christ who said, the greatest among you will be the one who serves. Mm -hmm. And so they should be these servant-hearted men that we're looking for. And it's really easy to just think, oh, but this guy's really entertaining when he teaches. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, he's really good. I want to listen to him, but sometimes we don't look at the character of their lives. And that's always concerning because what's going to come out of their mouth is really the overflow of their heart. Mm Yeah. And so we want to see those other actions that there really are an example, not perfect, but that they're an example we can follow.
3: I have a question. Uh, Jasmine told the story about how she confronted her friend, her friend repented. What do you do when you confront a friend in the church or a person in the church and they don't repent? Or if they do, they say they do, but they don't change. Like they continue
1: to sin against you. What do you do about that? My brain is buzzing like neon signs. Matthew 18, (laughs) Matthew 18, Matthew 18. (laughs) 18. Um, Which is scary because it involves a lot of... um, confrontation which is not my favorite thing don't know if you can tell because it took me how many weeks to talk to my friend probably like three months but you did did i did it i I did it um let me see i'm trying to get to matthew 18 okay uh if a brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he listens to you you have gained your brother i got to stop there okay Mm -hmm. it was nice (laughs) Uh, But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a a tax collector. Eek. Which is like... uh, Matthew 18 always puts stuff in perspective for me too because sometimes I'm really offended and then I think would... Am I so, like, is this such an offense against God that I'm willing to carry it out all the way to the end mm. of this Matthew 18, take it before the church? Or is it so petty that I would be embarrassed yeah. taking it before the church because it's an instance where love can overlook this fault. Um, thinking about the wording of 1 Corinthians 13 about not taking offense. Um, and so that kind of helps me balance my, I don't know, My expectations of people, um, and my offense at people. Is this a Matthew eighteen, like I need to go to you and if you don't repent, it's going to the church and we're gonna have to just make this a huge deal where you may even be (laughs) excommunicated. Or can we talk and agree to disagree and still maintain fellowship? That's good. Without bitterness. And that's
2: a good question, because a lot of people get into a lot of big battles about what we would call disputable matters, mm-hmm. you know. I think Romans fourteen talks about disputable matters, and so there are some places that we can all spend our time fighting that aren't sinful, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. school choice or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Me and yeah, vegan I mean vegan or paleo, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you feeding your kid gluten? Uh, well, we need to I talk. Dare you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff that we can get almost like you're not holy right. if you're not doing it my way. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. We all have to check that at the door. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. But then when it is sin, and I've been in a situation where we've done the confronting, and there was even um, an acknowledgement of sin, mm-hmm. but there was no actual repentance yeah. you know, of turning from the sin. And that's mm-hmm. been really hard for us to walk through mm-hmm. and to know how to do that well. Yeah. Just the other day, I've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount, which is so convicting. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Jesus is not tame. I mean, he says hard no. things. And um I was just really confronted with loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. And I don't think I've done you know, I don't want to consider anyone my enemy. That mm-hmm. sounds mean. And I don't I don't really Yeah, but sin does persecute. We don't mm-hmm. almost want, want to call it that heavy, but some of the things people do. Their sinful actions, in some sense, are persecution mm-hmm. to us. And one mm-hmm. thing I realized I hadn't done for this person well is just pray for them. Mm-hmm. And I was really convicted that I need to spend time, and it may go to the Matthew eighteen and all of those things, but just praying that yeah. the Spirit would do some work in their lives, um, and that the words that have been said would finally go into the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, the confrontation that's happened. Mm-hmm. Would be heard, and that life change would happen. But it's really painful when you feel like, yeah, you're you're giving lip service to, yeah, that yeah. was bad. I shouldn't have done that. But it doesn't feel like there's any heart yeah. change.
3: That's hard. I, I think uh, what's helped me is. Remembering that sanctification takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I want people to be sanctified quicker than even I'm being sanctified. And so I, it's kind of helped me be patient. Like, this person has some trauma. They have some maturity. There might be some just some things that they just have to grow in. And am I willing to be that friend that walks with them as they carry their cross? Um, The crucifixion took a long time for Jesus to die. And so I'm just not expecting a quick death sometimes. I just have to be willing to carry it with you, which is hard. That's not easy. It's irritating actually, (laughs) (laughs) but I I guess I do it with the hope that it honors Jesus and that even if no one else notices it, that he'll honor it when I see him. I I have to think that way or I'm just going to give up.
2: Can I ask one question? I know we're almost at the end because we've talked about church hurt and that's obviously what this session's on. Can we also just share how the church is a blessing because yes. i know it's you know i know it's we show sure been talking about how <laughs> messy she is and it's good to acknowledge that because <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's like you do it's need real. to know she's got some blemishes yeah. yeah but i think it it might be an encouraging way to end even just to think through the blessings we've experienced in the church. Why is it what we need, even if it's not perfect? I wouldn't even be a Christian without the church because the church is the one who talks about him, about
3: Jesus. And so it, the reason I'm able to believe is because somebody out of God's church told me about Jesus. Um, I don't think I would know what I know to the degree that I know it without the church. You know, I, the Even though I went to that raggedy, ratchet church that was a hot mess In it, I was being discipled by a woman who I lived with for two years who made me get up and get in my Bible every morning and taught me how to read the scriptures and taught me how to pray and taught me how to be a person that lived what I spoke. I remember my discipler, she told me, uh, she said, you're on your way to being a very popular hypocrite. Because you're able to communicate in such a way that people think you know what you're talking about and that you're living it, she was like, "It's my job in your life to ensure that you live what you communicate." That's what the church does, you know. So even in all of that turmoil, God had a remnant, <laughs> for lack of better mm-hmm. words, that helped me grow.
1: Um, the church has blessed me. Just the story that I even just told about my friend could have been a story of church hurt, and it wasn't. It was a story of restoration That's and good. friendship, and. That blessed me. I can't even describe how much that blessed me and what a blessing she has been to me Mm -hmm. in being able to talk to her about something that hurt me and be heard and know that she's the type of person who will do it for me Mm -hmm. um, if I need it. Um, That's something else that we haven't talked about. You know, I hope I never am, but I could be part of somebody else's story Mm -hmm. of church hurt. Mm -hmm. That's good. And I want to oh, no. be able to be humble. <laughs> I want to be able to be humble enough to hear and to um, change course and to repent, um, if if the conversation ever comes my way. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah, good. And I think that that's a good part of the church is that it requires that of me and it requires that of all
2: of us. Yeah, that's what family yeah. is. No, that's good. And I think, you know, I think sometimes I've been in the church so long. That I forget what life without the church looks like. Hmm. And you know, I sometimes watch, you know, as we're one of the few families or whatever, they'll be going to church in the neighborhood. And sometimes I will admit, I'm like, wow, it'd be nice to have Sunday off too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's terrible. True, true confession, yeah. Thoughts. But then, you know, I watch when suffering happens and when life falls apart and when, you know, someone gets cancer and when hard things happen and then, you know, you have 20 meals brought to your house mm-hmm. and you have people who are praying and sitting around praying for your family and other people don't have that. That's true. You know, they they the, their community is like their kids' sports team or maybe mm-hmm. the college they went to or the community service that they do. Mm-hmm. But we have a family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really a family who, you know, when everything happens they're there yeah and that's i I think sometimes i forget other people don't have anyone that's true you know i know if everything happened to every family member in my life someone in the church would have me over for christmas dinner Mm. you know i mean it's there are people and they do while we love them perfectly they do love yeah they do yeah they do
1: um, that was a lighter note to end a heavy conversation <laughs> yeah. on. So I'm really glad that you asked that question. I think now we're going to talk about favorite things to end it on a high note. Um, today's favorite thing is what is your favorite season and why? Of course fall. It's, it's, everybody's, so my, favorite not it's not everybody's favorite <laughs> season. It's everybody's season.
3: who's gonna say summer?
1: Oh, summer, no. <laughs> it's
3: hot. No. I mean it depends maybe if you live in a we different all live part in the South. America. Yeah. It's summer fall. is it's hot. Yeah. 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 Fall I can, you know, put the little scarf on with the little boots and maybe a T shirt. Like you can dress kinda warm, but not super warm where you sweat. You know, <laughs> it's just
1: cute. It's cute. It is. It's cute. I um I didn't do it this year, but I have to admit that in the past I have been a fan of the pumpkin spice latte. I didn't do it this year though. It felt Uh-oh. too basic. I couldn't do it. I Proud was like of you. I was like, you're an adult now.
2: <laughs> okay. No more <laughs> so and leggings and pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the no. thing.
2: My favorite is when I come the first time I can put on a fire in oh, the fall. Oh, and nice. just hear the crackle. That, that's house owner privileges right there. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk. Next week, we'll be talking about actively fighting sin. You can subscribe to Let's Talk through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Check out other shows from the Gospel Coalition podcast network at tgc.org slash podcasts. The Gospel Coalition connects Christians to resources that apply the truth and beauty of the gospel to all of life.